Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners, where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hicksonball. Today, we are going to be learning from Sam Waite, and Sam has an awesome story. So, Sam is a cool guy because Sam is a person who has decided he's going, him and his wife have gone out, and they're, they've decided they're going to plant a church. So, they originally are from Indiana. And they decided to move all the way across the country to Portland, Oregon. And so they decided to plant a church out there. And uh, this has been going on, you know, over the past um, year to six months. They've been they've been they've been really planning it, getting things going. And now they're 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 in the process of moving and they have they're out there now and they're moving. Get this their team out there. That's the crazy part of the story, not just the city that they're going to. And what they're planning on doing, but the fact that they actually convinced a bunch of other people from the plate from from where they're from in Indiana to also quit their jobs and move across the country to help plant a church in this new place in Portland. And Sam, you'll hear him say on on this episode a lot that it isn't him doing it, it isn't his wife doing it, it's it's all all God. So we have an awesome story, a crazy story, but an awesome story. That we're going to bring to you right now. Well, welcome to the Learner's Corner, Sam. We're so glad to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. Now, <laughs> the reason why we want to talk with Sam today is because Sam has an incredible story. And so, Sam, you know, just as we begin the podcast, can you tell us a little bit of, you know, the journey you've been on? Yeah, well, I'm currently sitting in an apartment, uh, downtown Portland, and I uh, moved here in the last couple months, so uh, about over a year ago now, um, my wife and I started to pray through, felt the call to make a huge life transition, and uh, moved from Indiana, where we were uh, serving uh, in, a, in a local church there. I was a youth minister, uh, and we just made this huge transition with a team of people and some friends all the way out to Portland, Oregon to uh, start a church, be a part of a new church start. So and what that's happened? the, uh, go ahead. Yeah, that's no, I was going to end that sentence by saying okay, that's there, where we are now. <laughs> there was a, there was a period there. What was it about? Like, what was it about Portland that had you guys wanting to come to Portland? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, there's a, there's a whole story behind this, uh, Portland. Uh, the, we, I didn't know much about Portland outside of the Blazers. Uh, Oregon, <laughs> um, but uh, it, I really it was in it was a city that got impressioned on our heart based on some of the things we think about uh, when it comes to church and, and where we want to lead one. And uh, Portland just kept coming up and got open doors. So there's a lot there's a lot of cool stories behind that. Um, but mainly, we just couldn't get Portland out of our head. It was showing up everywhere, uh, so we started to pray through it, and uh, doors just opened like crazy for us to head this way. Do you remember the first time that this idea came into your mind or you started thinking about it or your wife started thinking about it? Church planning? Church planning. Yeah, just this idea of, you know, whether you knew you were going to move to Portland or you just knew that God was saying, you know what, Sam, I think I think I'm gonna send you somewhere else. Do you remember the first time that remember that happened? Yeah. Yeah, so I had been at the the church that I'd been serving for three years, uh student ministry. And uh, I was I was just exhausted. Um, we were rolling into I think it was December of 2015, and I was just I had a lot of I was tired. Uh, my wife was tired. A lot of cool things, um, but we just we felt we felt this uh, 
burden within us. Like, do we need to open ourselves up to something else? And, um, that was around December and, uh, some opportunities came our way to consider leaving and the doors just shut on them. And, uh, we took that as an, a need to stay where we were. And we, what we realized is we just weren't very content. We didn't have a whole lot of contentment in life. I know I didn't. Um, and my, I was worn out. I was running a full-time photography business on the side and being a full-time youth minister. Uh, my wife, uh, we had a miscarriage that year and then she got pregnant again. And so it was just an emotional season for us. And, uh, we just knew we needed to just settle in with the spirit, be content. If God had us where we were for the next 20 years or so, we we're going to just plug into it. So, and in January of 2016, uh, I just, I, I made this huge life change, um, on every level, even down to like what I was eating. Um, I just really wanted to seek contentment and be as close to, to Jesus as possible and just seek out his, his will for my life. And so, uh, it started in January. Um, but then after about four or five months rolled by, I just started to hear God tangibly speak. He started to, uh, reveal some new things to me. Um, and we actually bought a house in January in the town we live in. We had been in apartments forever, but we bought a house because I'm about to be a young dad. <laughs> I'm thinking I got to get out of this one bedroom apartment. Got to move my wife and my soon to be daughter into into a home with where we can have a couple more rooms. And uh, so we lived in that house for about four or five months. And then we really I just felt this nudge. I actually had a dream um, and I felt God tell us to, hey, open yourselves up to to what I have for you next. Um, we had gotten to a place of contentment. And so it was in June, June of 2016 that we just said, okay, um, God has spoken this new word to us. Uh, let's be praying through that. Um, and then in early July, I invited my lead pastor over. His name's uh, Kevin Brimner. He's him and his wife. They're just incredible people, great mentors in our life. And, uh, he's been good to us for a long time. We invited them over for, for some, uh, I think it was Monday night fajitas. So most spiritual conversations happen around, fajitas, some coffee, potentially a beer. So we were, we're sitting there, we're, we're talking. And, uh, I just told him that, um, you know, we felt it was time to leave, uh, leave that church and to open ourselves up to what God might have next for us. Um, I didn't have anything. I had nothing. I, church planting wasn't in my mind at that time. Uh, I just knew that God was calling us into something different. And, uh, I, I told him, I was like, I don't have anywhere to go. So I don't want to be thrown out, <laughs> but I, we had a good relationship. So I was just open and honest about where we were. And, um, the first thing out of Kevin's mouth was, have you ever considered planting a church? And, uh, I, I just set my fajita down <laughs> and, uh, stared at him and I looked at my wife and, uh, it just struck a chord within us. Um, so that's where church planting came on the scene. It came on the heels or to the forefront of our brain. It was on the heels of six, seven months of like intentional uh focus and on contentment and just what god what god was doing with our life and what the future looked like so i mean it's huge to have a lead pastor uh you know say that um especially you know and when you look at student ministry and things that were going on you know we were we were very involved we we're doing a lot with it but for him to be open to the possibility of us heading out and being a pastor that's willing to send uh was huge absolutely huge for us so what, what did, you know, you're talking about pursuing that contentment. What did that look like for you? Like, were there some tangible things that you did yeah. to pursue that? Yeah. Well, one of the things was, um, while I was at this church, I, I, uh, I had different opportunities to go other places. Now, the church is an interesting, interesting situation. Um, uh, and 
there was just, you know, when it came to financial things, leadership things, I learned a ton there. Uh, it was tiring. It was, it was a lot of work. Uh, we were there solely on calling, but, um, over a couple of years, I'm going to close this for you guys. My window is open. So I heard a cop car come by. I don't want you to think I'm like a convict or something. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, I'm regaining my train of thought there. Um, we were asking about contentment and what are some tangible things yeah, that yeah, you yeah. did? Yeah, I had some opportunities come our way just in different churches um, to do student ministry, other places. And my wife had always entertained it, but we had just this deep sense of calling to stick. But once things started to get tiring, uh, we we started to open ourselves up to maybe another opportunity. Um, and one did present itself. Uh, there was another opportunity to do youth ministry at another church. and. Uh, it, it kind of had that flashy feel where it was a bigger church, bigger budget, um, you know, different, di- different leadership role. Uh, so we really considered it. And it was the first church that the door kind of shut from that church's end. Uh, up until that point, I had always closed the door. Um, we just chose to stick where we were, felt really called to it. And when I opened myself up to the possibility of leaving that door shut and that, and that really did a lot for us, um, especially me, because I just, I had this sense of I need to stop looking for things outside of God um, in my in my career and my in my life, and really just need to focus in on what's the Spirit speaking to me in this season uh, that doesn't have anything to do with job titles, anything to do with money. I know I know those things sound petty, but you know that was that was probably one of the biggest tangibles. Um, we were financially tight. Uh, like I said, I was running photography on the side, and so that was killing me as well. Just trying to do that and and also uh be full-time on a on a church staff uh you know i I wasn't content in those things either so um i knew that i needed to just dig in man you know (laughs) kind of like uh israelites in the wilderness like contentment residing in god trusting his provision um was where we needed to land so and it was huge i mean that had a huge impact on me uh in the six months that I was pursuing it. Now I've given up on contentment. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> you said that you sent the spies out and they all came back and gave a negative report. So you're out now. <laughs> That's right. Like, <laughs> now, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> back to Egypt. Let's go. <laughs> so after you got, you know, kind of your blessing, uh, the blessing from your lead pastor to go and plant a church, you know, what what did it look like next? Did you just immediately leave? You know how how did Portland come on the scene? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, the first thing he said to me after that was, uh, you know, the conversation went on a lot longer after he said church planting. Um, I think we were about to wrap up dinner, and I had like kind of saved this big bomb for the end, which I don't know if that was like kind of me or wrong of me, but you know, then it, then it opened up like another couple hour conversation. And uh, one of the things he told me was, you know, hide this in your heart in this season, you know, keep praying through it. Uh, he, he was very validating. He, he just said that, you know, I've worked with a lot of people in, in ministry and you and your wife, Kelsey are, are people that I feel like we can drop in somewhere. There's not a church and something would start to happen. Um, there'd be movement around it. And so it was just so validating, but he said, hide it in your heart. Um, and at that point I didn't have Portland in my mind. I didn't have anything in my mind. Uh, but when I went to bed that night, my wife's like, uh, my wife was due the next week. And so she's like, wow, asleep. She's sound asleep. And I'm just laying in bed wide awake and I can't get it out of my head. And, um, 
that's where Portland like kept coming into my brain out of nowhere. So the next day I walked into the office, walked into Kevin's office and I, and I said, uh, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go plant the church in Portland. You want to come with me? And he just laughed. He's like, why Portland? Like, what do you know about that? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> I said, but I was up all night. I was on Google. I learned a lot of stuff <laughs> as if Google has all the information of it. But uh, well, it kind of does though. It has a lot. It really does. Like I learned, you know, that night that um, Portland. I don't know if this is true, but it, now living here, I, it could very well be true. True, but if you if you eat at, uh, it has a ton of food carts here. So if you ate at, you know, two different food carts every night for three years, you would never go to the same food cart twice. Like that's a that's like a statistic out here. So I was like, Portland, we got a plant there. It's like. Food carts. <laughs> so <laughs> number one, and there are a lot. Now that I live here, man, they they are everywhere. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. But yeah, so um, I did. I, I hit it in my heart, and you know, I mentioned that to him. Portland kind of came on the scene early, and like I said, things started to open up. But I sat on it for about a month, and then uh, it was in August. It was like this week in August, actually, last year, that uh, Kevin was at some missions meeting, and he met a guy who was. Um, Parachurch. His name's George Johnson. Uh, he ran in this parachurch out here in the Northwest that was specifically focusing on church plants in Portland. So Kevin texted me and said, Hey, I just met a guy planting churches in Portland. Uh, I need to connect you. And so I connected with George and we hung on to it though, all the way up until I don't think it went public with our congregation, the church until I believe it was Late October would have been early November. Wow. So you so. went basically a year. You went almost close to a year of like, hey, in January, you were like, hey, I'm, I'm, we're going to sit this thing. Like, so you go a year after like this thing happened in December where you and your wife are like, yeah. we're, wow. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Christmas 2015, we're going to live in Newburgh. Christmas 2016, it was announced we were moving to Portland. <laughs> wow. But that's a whole year, though, of this just this um, this waiting and, 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 and thrashing out like exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. What do you yeah. think? Like, what do you think the big uh, difference was? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guess, I guess I'm trying to think through, you know, what do you think you would have missed out on if you had decided, you know, a year, like in 2015, at the end of 2015, or even the beginning of 2016, that you know what, we're tired, we're burnt out, you know, we're going to quit. What do you think mm-hmm. you would have missed out on in, if you hadn't have stayed that extra year? Because I'm just thinking of people who are listening right now, who, you know what, maybe they're in a similar, similar situation, and they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired, I'm burnt out, yeah. and I want to quit right now but you were going through that same situation and all of this happened because of that does that make sense yeah 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 well i I think i was burnt out in that season on the wrong things i was building i was building an empire of sam without really realizing it uh wasn't really trusting in god i was bitter about about a lot like i was mad like i would like look around my house we have we have a tv like a nice size tv um but i'd look at it and it's like, my dad bought that for me. Like, I can't even go buy my own TV. Like, I'm struggling to provide for my family, you know. I'm, I'm li- but I didn't see the blessing in it. I didn't see that I was living off the generosity of the kingdom. Um, so many people taking care of us. So, there was just a lot of things uh, in my tiredness and being worn out um, 
that was self-inflicted. And I think that's true of so many people's situations, not always, but, um, I just wasn't breathing. Like I wasn't breathing in spirit of God and actually letting God speak his truth into me, the things he wanted me to hear. I was just running, you know, and that, and that's one of my problems. I love to just go <laughs> like full speed, take things out. Let's get things done. Um, and I know you read this in so many different leadership books, but I, I did. I needed to just slow down. I needed to breathe. I needed to kind of return back to the simple basics of prayer and actually trusting and believing. And uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm glad I got. I'm glad we didn't give up. But for me, it was I needed to cut something out. I needed to cut out all these all these worries and all these other things that were taking up my time to kind of reside, come back in abide in the vine, that kind of thing. So I want to drill down on that a little bit. Like what, what were some tangible things? Uh, was it something that you just did? Or was it something that you and your wife did? Like, what are some, what are some of those things that you did to kind of get back to that? Like, yeah. Well, the, honestly, one of the biggest things, and it's, it's been a, it's been huge in my life this year, uh, was I, I got serious about fitness. Um, you know, obviously getting the word, creating more space for prayer and things like that. Um, that was, those are pieces. But I think the biggest thing I did in January, February last year was, uh, my wife was gone for a week. She was with family. Um, and while she was gone, I, I stumbled across some, some articles just about nutrition and my whole life. I've, uh, I've worked out. Um, there's been seasons where it's been more somewhere. It's been less. I was an athlete in high school. So it's always just been a part of my life. But I was the I was the kind of guy that would like work out hard and I'd go hard in the gym and then after I was done I'd go to McDonald's and I'd just pound cheeseburgers. I mean, my my life theory was my life theory was you know dude if I work out real hard I can eat whatever I want and uh, I came across an article just about nutrition and spirituality and so um, I, it just kind of struck me different and you know I started hearing statistics that you know. 75% or more, I'm not, I don't know all the statistics, but the majority of fitness is nutrition. And so, uh, while my wife was gone, I like, I did that whole thing. Like I swept the kitchen, man. I gutted all, if I, if it had, you know, if it was enriched or anything based on what this article said, I like gutted it. And then I just went super clean eating. It wasn't like organic, um, but clean eating nutrient dense foods. And, uh, genuinely that had a huge impact on me. Uh, my wife, she grew up eating that way. And then when she met me, um, I was like, that's witchcraft. Like, I don't believe, I don't believe in <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> and, uh, she always tried to convince me, but she, she didn't. And I came to it on my own actually. So when she came back, she was like all for it, but it, it genuinely, a lot changed in my life once I started eating differently. Um, so that practical discipline, that life discipline of like denying, uh, <laughs> the food that tastes so freaking good <laughs> to, enjoy you know food that god has really designed us to eat um it, man it changed things it, my, i had more clarity in, in my head i was working for things i was i was just more disciplined so that was one of the biggest things that her and i both did um which was, which was interesting because she was pregnant so she was like putting on weight and i was like slimming down <laughs> so but yeah i mean i know that's simple but for me it's been huge and it's continued into this season even today so, which is hard with all these food trucks. I mean, <laughs> I, I splurge constantly. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that just makes sense. Yeah. So what's, what's kind of been the biggest difference that you've seen between, you know, between whenever you weren't eating healthy and now that you are eating more healthy, like how have you seen the difference in yourself? 
Oh yeah, Other than uh, the just, weight loss. <laughs> and everything yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. I'm way sexier. That's what it's about. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the beard. So you, you guys will get to see his picture whenever, like, when we post this, like, when the podcast goes live. His beard is ridiculously awesome. <laughs> Um, Thank you. It's I appreciate beard. that. And there's pride there. So I pray for humility. Well, you, know, you would know that. this about me, but I've had a beard for a long time and I just recently got rid of it. Oh, no. Feel That's bold. Like, <laughs> That's you are, like you're making me want to grow my beard back. My mom yeah. is like right now. My mom is somewhere going, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who is this child? Yeah. 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 Well, I have dreams of shaving it i call those beard mares like they freak me out i wake up and check it's there so i used to yeah. do that i used to, I yeah. used to. i'm growing my beard yep. back mark this down guys i'm growing my beard back do it i like it uh, <laughs> so what you ask now to make that transition <laughs> uh what what's the biggest difference you've seen between oh yeah, yeah. you know whenever you weren't eating healthy and now that you are eating more healthy like what's the benefit yeah yeah, I, I think honestly the biggest benefit is the fitness. I mean, Paul used fitness analogies all the time, um, and I I, I just ha- I have made so many connections between spiritual growth and the discipline around our, what we're doing with our physical body, um, especially when you like nutrition for sure, um, and then also like when it comes to to working out, like life happens in those, in those difficult moments, um, when you just want to give up and you want to stop running up a hill and you, and you push through it. Um, when you, when you develop the discipline to do those things, man, it gives you discipline in so many other areas of life. But then the other things it does for you, you know, just mentally, I have so much clarity and my stress level has decreased a lot. I had a lot of lower back pain. Um, and I just didn't know why I just assumed I didn't, I didn't think twice about it, but once you start to get off some of that, get off some of that weight or just start to eat healthier. Like you, uh, that stuff started to fade. I've been sick once uh, now, um, in this past year, it was when I moved to Portland, Uh, I had some allergies when I got out here and it developed into a cold, but like I've only been sick once this year. And and before I was really pursuing it, I was getting sick more often, um, colds and stuff like that. So, so yeah, just the quality of life, it increases. You, You feel more, you feel more present with people. Um, and, and then, of course, the disciplines and the analogies between, you know, going through something difficult to get some gains in the end uh, have been huge. In fact, a lot of my team that's moved out here with me, um, we're running a Spartan race this coming Sunday, OCR, uh, obstacle course race. And a lot of my team has gotten involved in this. It's become such a big piece of my life that I'm constantly encouraging everybody to get out there and run with us, eat healthier. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And. Going back to, you know, your story, you know, that's another thing we wanted to ask you about is that it's not just you and your wife who moved from Indiana. Yeah. You have a team and a group of people who moved out there with you. So yeah. walk, walk. That's us the coolest part. Time, like time out for a second. I cannot sometimes get a person to commit to come once a month to an event. You convince people to quit jobs and move. <laughs> I wish I could say I convinced. Teach me. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it just has to be a move of God. I mean, this is the coolest part of this story, hands down. This past, um, one of the things we're doing is we're in the city. We're working with another church here called Church of the City. Uh, they're in downtown Portland, and they they've kind of taken us on for a period of time just so we can learn and partner with another church. But they interviewed us this past week. 
and I they started asking about the team, and that, and then what I said was, this is the coolest part uh, of the whole thing. So when my wife and I were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna move we're gonna move to Portland and plant a church, I was like. How the hell are we gonna do that? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's like we had all these fears. We like put up on a whiteboard every fear we had, and the biggest one was financial, um, which is where a lot of stress had come from prior to this whole journey. Sure. And uh, my wife said something so profound, and she said, "You know, Sam, the longer you don't step into your calling, the longer you will prevent people from stepping into the calling of funding this thing." And uh, that hit me like right between the eyes. And so we raced that off the board and then we started to make this move, but it was just her and I and uh, this new baby that was going to be in our life soon. And so we, we were, uh, we were just being bold. I called my best friend who actually worked at the church with me. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, his name's Quentin and he lives out here now. And I just told him and his wife that we were moving to Portland and we were going by ourselves and I said, I you know just brothers in ministry love for you to consider joining us. And I did not expect them to jump in. Uh, but they called us back that evening and just had this piece about it. They said, well, we're in. Um, and then that's kind of cool, but they're our age and we're in a hip millennial city. So you can kind of expect some of that, but the cooler pieces are, um, just different people we've been doing ministry with over the past couple of years who jumped in, uh, one family, uh, you know, so on our team, we have, I think it's 19 people all together, counting the kids and everything. Uh, we have everything to, from my daughter who, or a baby that's about to be born, um, to uh, a 50 year old uh, gentleman named uh, Peter. So the spectrum, the, the, the age that we have on our team, we just, we feel super blessed that God called that diverse of a team together. You know, people, people see what my wife and I are doing and they're like, man, that's huge faith. That's really cool. That's, that's awesome. But then when they see, but we're still young enough that I think people go, well, yeah, we expected that. And you guys are hippies. Your wife shaved the half of her head. And, you know, like we expect you to move to a city like Portland. She has tattoos, that kind of thing. Uh, but then when you start to pull in these other people who have lived in Southern Indiana for, you know, 20, 30, their whole life, uh, who just say, yeah, we're going to quit our jobs and, and move out. That, that is where you just, I'm in awe. Um, just some of the people who've come out, just, we've been so blessed by this team. Um, it's a lot of people with more life experience than us who have been on our volunteer teams prior, um, but believe in us, love us, their family. Um, and they're the backbone of the meat of so much of what's happening. So I'm super, we're so blessed to, to have them and have them out here with us, but it is a move of God, man. Like, you know, I, I think our leadership in their life, you know, that God, you know, three, four years, prior to the moment of asking them to come is obviously influential. God has gifted us in that, in that way. But the other thing is, you know, I, I don't think I could have convinced them. Uh, it was just light bulbs went off in everybody's head and they stepped into something they saw God calling them into as well. So I didn't expect anyone to come. I thought I'd be on this podcast all by myself, <laughs> but I got a family of people out here now. So, right. So can you kind of give us like the vision of what you guys are trying to do? So like we've heard of kind of the cool story of what's happened, right? Like you convinced yeah. basically there's, there's 20 people who, who went out there with you. Um, all this can yeah. you kind of like, give us like, what's the vision for what you guys are doing? Like yeah. what's it called? What's the vision? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you guys, we're kind of calling it, we're calling it the Portland 
project right now. Um, but before we got this thing started uh, and we started to bring on parachurch partners and people who would help us think through how to plant a church, uh, we like we just started running with it and we, we called it initially this frontier movement. Um, and we didn't say frontier because the West is the frontier. Uh, we actually called it that because we, we want to be a people that chase after the fires in life. We go to where the disease is. We go to where the war is. We go to where the pain is, um, the poverty you know, the addiction. We want to be a church that's in the frontier spaces of life and, and to see the spirit move in those spaces. And so that was kind of like this anthemic thing that was coming out, you know, August, September uh, within us. Um, so, man, we're out here to incarnate ourselves into neighborhoods and to get this thing going. But along the way, uh, we've learned a lot. Um, and that's why we haven't hammered down a name for our church or anything like that, because we want to learn. We want to be sensitive to the culture out here. Um, we're Southern Indiana people living in Portland. Like, it's a different world out here. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're learning a ton. And so there are cracks in the pavement of Portland that uh, tell a story. Um, there's a, so much going on in the city. I mean, some people catch it on the news nationally, um, but uh, there's just a lot to learn. So one of the things we've done that has just been phenomenal is we've partnered up with another, another church in the city. They're in downtown Portland. Uh, the name's Church of the City, pastored by Russell Klum. Uh, they're a small church startup. They've been in it for two years. We're gonna we're partnering with them in a residency. Our whole team is just serving them, and they're loving on us for uh, nine to twelve months. And we're working with them real close, uh, just learning how they've done things. Um, they have the same. Uh, parachurch organization uh, partnered up with them, so that's kind of how we've all met. But um, yeah, we're, we're we're working with them uh, for the next nine months, doing tons of exegetical work on the city. We're in the middle middle of demography study, so studying demographics. Portland's uh, one city made up of ninety five different neighborhoods, and the neighborhoods are all over the place, from super rich posh hipster culture that you see on Instagram to uh, it's a sanctuary state and the homeless, you know, live there everywhere. Um, there's interesting walls around the homeless, but like, I mean, I've seen some crazy things and, uh, and, and that world too. So there's just a ton of diversity economically um, within the city. And we've just got a lot to learn and we don't want to be an intrusive um, team of people that just kind of come in top down and act as if there is no story here. There is no history here. And we've just got answers. It's not our heart. We want to come in and get jobs and, and work with alongside of neighbors and, and make friends and uh, really be the incarnate flesh of, of Jesus and his presence here within the city. So um, church of the city that the church we're partnered with, they've been, they've been phenomenal um, and they're in a really neat season. And so they, they really blessed us. And as God continues, I mean, we've only been here two months, but as God continues to open up our minds to, to what he's up to, uh, I think, I'm, I think we're going to be partnered up with them for a long time. And there's lots of talk about, you know, a church in every neighborhood and, and different things like that. But yeah, right now that's, that's where, that's what we're, we're doing in this season. That's our tangible is, is learn our, our phrase, our anthem as a team in this, in this season is let the city speak. And uh, just asking the spirit to reveal to us where, what, what specific neighborhood does he want us to target? Um, where does he want us to land? So there's just so much diversity here. Every neighborhood's different. Uh, you can feel it. Like you'll be just driving down the road. We'll be in um, Buckman's where I'm at and I'll go five minutes down the road and I'll drive into an area called Laurelhurst and it totally changes. The landscape totally changes. You can feel the different demographics everywhere. So yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot to learn at, at that angle. So that's what we're doing so what right we, now. 
what have been some, what have been, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, the successes, what have been some challenges for you? Um, just yeah. as you're pulling a team together as you're, as you're getting out there and as you're kind of partnering with this church now, like what have been some of the, ta- the challenges or tensions that you've, you've been having to deal with? Hands down the biggest challenge that I have gone through, my life has gone through, our team has gone through is all the criticism you take when you step out and call. Um, there's so many people that don't that are they'll hear about the story in the distance and they'll just go, wow, that's amazing. What a what a great move of God. Um, and it's encouraging to faith. Uh, but there's there's also a lot of people, uh, people you love um, that you've invested in, um, who've invested in your life. When you when you do make a big step of faith and calling, uh, that don't understand it um, and get get. You know, it can be really rude, be very hurtful. And so hands down, that is probably one of the most difficult things we've been through is just not um, people we love not not supporting or, you know, I've, I've had I've had all kinds of crazy things. People telling me I'm a lunatic, people, people who I love saying, I'm, you know, I've had people tell me I'm kicking them in the balls, I'm leaving them, you know, a lot of different things like that. So to hold on to your calling that's so pure and so precious and such a big deal to you and at the same time transition um it's uh it, it was wearing on our souls which is why this season of residency is huge for us because we're getting some we're getting a chance to breathe find some reprieve some, find some rest but that's been hands down uh the hardest thing is to continue to walk by faith in the midst of lots of criticism um mm-hmm. so I, that's that's where i land first um and then the other piece for me, one of my biggest lessons is uh, been learning to, to, to continue walking at, at, at the pace of God. And um, I find it interesting. A lot of times people will say, uh, you know, God wants you to slow down. Or uh, I don't always hear people say God wants you to speed up, which is, I like the speed up kind of God. I think everybody does. <laughs> um, but we're learning to work at the pace of God, um, you know, and not just come in and, and run at our pace and build our kingdom, but to build his. And so at the same time also being mentored by Russell uh, and his encouragement to, to walk at a, a steady, healthy, healthy pace in the season has been, has been huge because I just want to like, I just want to bulldoze. I just want to get in there and get after it. Um, but taking the time to submit to, to a good, healthy time is good. And also this has been huge. Like I feel like just this veil, this cloud that has been over my head in the last four years of my life is kind of just lifted because when you make a huge transition like this, you get so much perspective. You see things so different. Um, but I'm also learning just how, how much our world needs pastors and leaders to partner together, like gospel partnership, the way Paul talks about in the book of Philippians, where like, we actually, we actually come in behind each other. We actually believe we actually sharpen each other um, and let people speak into our calling, let people criticize in a, in a healthy way, uh, constructively our callings and, and vice versa and to, and to spur each other on. And we need a lot more of that. Um, and that, that's been kind of a hard lesson because I think for the last four years of my life, I've just been running my show and doing my thing. And I miss a lot of opportunity to, to work with others who are going after the same mission we're going after. So, so that's been, that's, that's been a good thing too. I guess I said another good thing, but yeah, the hardest thing has been standing up, stepping out on water, even when people say, don't do it, don't do it. So, How long have you uh, been out in Portland? 
yeah, I got here. I think it was the second week of June. I visited the, I visited Portland three times before we came. Mm-hmm. So my wife had only come once before we came. So second week of June. Gotcha. So yeah, we're early in this. Lead, leadership wise, like, so it sounds like right now, um, you know, you're, you're, you guys have partnered with a church and you you guys are kind of integrated into what they're doing right now. And so, like you said, serving them leadership wise, you know, how are you keep continuing to keep that team together and like continue to feed into them, um, work with them and really continue to bring them along, um, you know, as kind of this launch team that, that you've had like leadership, like how as a leader, are you continuing to, to, to do that? Yeah, well, that's interesting because the last three, four years, we've all been working together um, in another church, you know, culture format. And so and in that world, like we kind of like a well-oiled team when it comes to like something like a program. But now what's weird is we all have moved to the city. We're all scattered all over the city. Uh, we're not all living in the same same place. And we don't have a gathering, a specific gathering point. Um, and it's like. We're getting jobs. Everyone's schedule is real funky. Uh, you know, like we're, we're trying to figure that out. So it's a really good question because uh, we're, in, we're totally in transition at this point and we're, we're figuring out rhythms. Um, like we have two more people to move out here and they'll be out here in the next month. Um, but everyone has got like I've been out here the longest, um, but a greater portion of our team has gotten here in the last three weeks or so. Oh, wow. And so and they're like getting jobs, moving into the city, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so we're we're figuring that out. Uh, honestly, tons of copies. Like my, my role, my, my job right now is I'm on, I'm on support. My wife has picked up a part-time job. And so I am capable. I'm trying to get myself to a place where I can do as much of this team building, working on church plant as possible. Um, and so, uh, I'm doing everything I can to get coffees with our team. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of hangouts, um, you know, just getting together, talking, dreaming. And that's been, I think the big piece right now, uh, the blessing has been this residency, uh, uh, working alongside this other staff. They're pulling me and my pastor friend Quentin into that inner circle. Uh, and then we're going to start pulling the rest of our team into that. So, uh, we'll get, we'll get more organized, you know, time with, with the team and thinking through what we're doing. But right now it's just invest in this team. And I think it's interesting for me because when you're the lead person, you kind of weather things before everyone else experiences it, but everyone's experiencing things constantly every day, getting new experiences. So, uh, for me right now is just loving on this, loving on the team, giving them time to talk, spending as much time as I can with them. Uh, that's been, that's been probably the biggest piece. So, how did you end up getting connected with the church and with the residency? Yeah, well, uh, originally our lead pastor met up with this guy named George who run, who's leading a prepared church out here in the Northwest. And, uh, they have, they have, uh, the church down here through the city is their Portland plant. Mm-hmm. And so when I called George, he connected with me, me with Russell. I talked to Russell. And then a couple weeks later in September last year, Quentin and I flew out here and, went downtown, grabbed a beer with him and just talked about what was going on out here. So that's how we got connected with them. And then a friendship started. And so yeah, sure. now, we're, now we're here. So, so this was be this, so the, your church and kind of the church that you, you guys are working at, it sounds like it would be part of like a grouping of churches that mm-hmm. are being planted out here. So there's like a, there's this pair of churches, like a planting organization then is what is yep. kind of the way that's yep. working. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes, uh, Christian Evangelistic Association. If anyone's interested, so yeah, 
it's awesome. It's a mouthful, so CEA is easier to say. <laughs> and we'll have that in the show notes if anyone wants to check that out too. So you had mentioned you're on support. So does that mean like you did some um, fundraising yeah. for this? Okay. So talk. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. So yeah, talk to us about that process. Like, what have you had to do? Yeah, well, I, I've never, I've never done fundraising at this level before. So, uh, Quentin and I, we uh, we worked with a financial advisor on kind of how how this works, and uh, all the fundraising we've done up at this point is mainly through friends and family. So we we set a we set a goal. Um, on target goal for how much we need to raise for this year. Um, and then the parachurch we're working with also granted us some money, um, to get us kind of get us going into this, into this first year. So yeah, I was calling lots of friends and family and asking them to prayerfully consider partnering with us. Um, investing in what God was doing in our lives. And, uh, we've also have, one church that's come on as official partner. Um, but right now this year, a big part of this year is continuing to, um, land partners with churches who are invested in church planning. There's a lot of people with their focus on that right now. So yeah, we're doing a lot with figuring out how to, how to raise more money. So right now, Quentin and I are the only ones pulling from this support. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just enough to get us through here uh, to live here, but there's not, we, we haven't raised anything for like church budgets or renting things or anything like that. So that's a, uh, that's in the works for this year. So what's your like? What's your nine to five look like for you right now? Um, is it yeah. just a whole lot of meeting with folks, or like what's that look like? Yeah, well, it is. It is a lot of meeting with folks. So like, um, once we got here, it was like we we need to like kind of as Paul did when he got to cities. He always went to the synagogue and met with leaders, Jewish leaders, and so it's like there are already churches in Portland. It's not like it's there's no church here. You know, there's, there are churches. And so, uh, connecting, you know, visiting other churches, meeting pastors, grabbing coffee with them. That's been a big piece. Uh, starting to get together with like different, um, leaders in the city. Um, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, my, so like my nine to five or whatever is, has changed a ton. I used to be in the office way more and I don't know why I was, uh, now that I'm like out starting a church, like you kind of strip things back down to like what discipleship really is and meeting people. And so, yeah, I, I get up in the morning, I'll hit a coffee shop. And, and, and also the other thing is in this season, it's let the city speak. So like I'll Google a coffee shop in, in the neighborhood I, I don't drive anymore. I ride my bike everywhere. Portland's a great biking uh, city. And so I'll, I'll drive and land and email and call and uh, work with supporters along with doing things with Church of the City, like working on their staff and, you know, helping them with their week to week Sunday stuff and mentor meetings. And so the other thing, like now I, there, there are days I play Mr. Mom now because my wife's got a job. And so <laughs> sure. uh, like yesterday was Mr. Mom day. So I, I spent the, I spent like, six hours with my daughter, <laughs> which was awesome. Um, but yeah, it's like every day kind of looks, kind of looks different. Um, sometimes it's all afternoon, evening stuff, but it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of meeting people at this point. And I'm also getting a lot of time to study and, and just think through what, what is a church plant and what has got up to with this. So what have you seen, uh, the, like the benefits being of, you know, working with other church leaders and other pastors, because that's not, I mean, as you know, you kind of said, that's not the normal thing to do for some yeah. reason. But like, why? Yeah. Like, what's been the benefit for you, like getting to work with other churches and seeing how they're doing things and, you know, partnering together? Man, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, and the benefits, 
are are ginormous. Um, we, I, I, you know, I'm new in this. I'm new in to answer this question. I'm new in this process because for the majority of my life, I lived in Southern Indiana, and you worked at your church. You knew about that church, the other church down the street that was doing some cool things, and you talked highly of them. But really, there was kind of this sense of competition, but there wasn't because you'd run into them at Starbucks. <laughs> You're like, hey, how's your youth group? Great, cool. Yeah, ours is good too. All right, whatever. You know, like there, there was never this like cohesion or this fight to go after the city collectively and that was i would argue that's like a big part on me and so um now i'm like rethinking that and i think one of like one of the things that's unique about portland is there isn't though there are some churches here it's not church saturated like it is in the midwest there you know uh the running statistic is three to five percent of the, the people in portland will attend church once a month um, and so that's like nothing. And so you don't walk past churches constantly. And so it's kind of like even churches from different backgrounds, denominations, like they become your brothers, um, and you just kind of cling to each other. Um, and so I just, I think that we can be so much more effective in the city when we're, when we're working together. And it almost baffles me that, that churches don't, um, I mean, just, it, it almost baffles me that there are churches that struggle financially or um with leadership or different things when we have so much strength in the church all over the place um there's so many churches that can help others um and so i i just think we can be way more effective when we when we start to think about being a and what's unique about us a neighborhood network of churches different plants in every neighborhood um suddenly we're in church of the city's corner like we want them to win and so my team of however many we've got out here with us, you know, we're coming in and we're, we're serving church of the city in this season. And it's a huge blessing for them because there's different gifts, different talents that we can all bring to the table and vice versa. You know, they're, they're making a long-term investment in them and in us. Uh, and Russell says this all the time. Their philosophy is, is just beautiful is in, we need to give the kingdom away to people. Like we need to gift it. We don't need to just build our kingdom, but we need to, we need to bless. And, you know, he said, you know, they aren't even self-sustaining it. Um, They've got around 75, I think, people showing up um, to a, a gathering and, and in their small groups or gospel communities. Uh, but, you know, just the other last week when he did the interview thing, he said, you know, in next nine months, some of you guys need to go with these guys, this other this other team and launch this church. So to, to get like when you're not even self-sustaining financially, uh, you've only got 75 people coming only. I mean, that's pretty substantial out here. And you're willing to send people. It just takes a lot of humility. Um, and I think God uses that. I think he uses it in a, in a big way. So. You know, I think one, one of the things that, you know, no matter, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in your life, you know, we all face fear. And so, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. as we wrap up the interview, you know, what advice would you give to someone about overcoming and facing your fears? Because that's what you did by moving out to Portland. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, dude, that is that is a that is a fun question. Oh man. Uh I told the story so much um now because every every person you meet, like even here, is like you meet somebody and they're like, What? And then it turns into like a podcast unofficially. <laughs> and you start to retell it. But like the reality is I was I was genuinely scared to death to leave my context. Like I didn't see how it was all gonna add up. And um I read a quote recently. Uh, I don't know who it was necessarily by, but they said, uh, I think it was Donald Miller actually, but he said, um, 
you said God resides, faith resides, spirituality resides right above all that arithmetic, right about where, right above where all the things make sense, um, where where everything adds up. And, uh, we, you know, I think we all hear that and we, and we love that. It gives us something to trust in, but there aren't a whole lot of people that, well, sorry, I don't blame statement. I think people like myself get to this, this point where, Though we know that we aren't really putting ourselves in a situation to need a miracle. And if you want to see a miracle, you gotta, you gotta step out and put in place to need one. And, um, man, I did not want to, I wanted to come to Portland and I wanted to get here and I wanted to be a part of a vibrant church that was doing great things for the kingdom, but I did not want to step out of my comfort zone. As simple as that is, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get it all to add up, man. I'm, I'm, not making enough money to plant a church and that kind of thing. And, uh, it was just choosing to like deny the scientific side of my life and believe that a God really did split seas to believe that a God really does control my, my future and my life. And he will see this thing to fruition. That's been huge. And I actually, I'll tell us, I'll tell a story about that. Um, so we were about to take it. My wife and I were about to take a trip out here uh, in January with all the adults from our team. And, you know, money was tight. And I, uh, I got a call from her on like a Monday or Tuesday morning. I was in the office and this is, this would have been, yeah, I mean, this past January. And uh, we were about to, I think it was that coming Sunday. We were going to fly to Portland. We bought tickets. We shouldn't have been able to afford tickets, but we happened to be online and found round trip flights for 140 bucks. So we like bought them on the spot, uh, super cheap. And, uh, so we were coming to Portland, but she calls me and she says, all right, Sam, I'm doing, I'm doing the budget and we don't have any money for Portland. How are we going to afford this? How are we even going to afford a hotel? Like there is no money for this. Like, and I remember telling her, I was like, oh my gosh, like I know <laughs> I was staring, staring at the budget. Um, I said, you know, uh, Kelsey, just go, you know, continue to do budget as you normally would for the month. And, uh, I'm going to talk to Jesus. <laughs> and so she was like, okay, great plan, husband. <laughs> you know, like it is a great plan, but what are we doing? And, um, I remember I sat down in my office, I put my back up against the door and I just, I said, God literally cannot, I, I don't, we're going to get to Portland and not be able to eat. Like, and we're visiting for a week. I cannot afford to, like, we're going to sleep in a car. I can't even rent a car right now. Like there is no, we have zero, like I'm not exaggerating. There's zero dollars for this trip. And I said, I'm just going to trust that you have truly called. If you've, like, you've called, we've got tickets. We're going to fly to Portland. Um, and, uh, I have a friend from college, uh, who's, uh, who's in ministry and, um, he had been in a season of, uh, fasting and, Prior to this moment, uh, I had talked to him about like, he was going on like a hardcore fast, like for like a long time, barely eating anything. I was inspired by that because I needed a move of God in my life. And, uh, so I was talking to him about it and he kind of asked about what we were doing with our church plant because he heard about it. So I mentioned it, but that was it. Um, we didn't, the point wasn't my our church plant. The point was to listen to him. I wanted to know about this fasting experience he was having and we hadn't talked in years. So it's not like we were hanging out or anything. Um, so that happened sometime right before this phone call with my wife and we just sat on it all week long. And it's like, I, like no money fell from the sky. 
<laughs> at all. Uh, it was like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And, um, we left, we were going to fly out Sunday night on Sunday morning before I went into work. Uh, we had some mail sitting on the, on the table and, uh, I opened up, um, one of these letters that looked unique. It looked like a bill, which we always open those first. And <laughs> when I did, um, it was from this friend of mine, his pastor friend, he had written a little note and there was a check inside of it. And, uh, the check was for a thousand dollars. Um, and then he had written things in this note. He said, and I had not talked to him about my financial situation or anything. And in this letter he wrote, you know, do not doubt the calling that God has called you to. And he put, he threw some scripture in there for me. Um, that kind of was just resonating with what I was going through. And so we got all the way to this point where we didn't have money to go on this trip. And I got a check for a thousand dollars a day. You know, it was just that we're going to go, we're going to commit to this. It doesn't completely add up. We've got a deep sense of calling and, uh, the money came through randomly. The best part of the story is when I talked to him, he, he wrote the check for a hundred dollars. Uh, and he was like, he just felt the spirit say, nah, add a zero. And, uh, he was like, really God, that's all the life. And I got like, we're not making a lot either. You know, like, I'm, all right, I'll write it for a thousand dollars. And he did. And it was like all I had to give. And, um, the day, the day we left Portland, uh, a day after I deposited that check into my account, which paid for everything throughout the whole week, he got a check in the mail for, for $2,000 from somebody randomly. Uh, and so that's the thing, that's the stuff that like, that's where the faith seeps in. It's right. It's stories like that. I mean, God, God resides right above the arithmetic. Uh, he, he resides right above where things add, add up and it, we shouldn't be unwise with what we're, what we're doing. Um, but at the same time, we do need to, we need to have the faith to believe that God is going to provide and take care of. And, um, we've just had affirmation after affirmation in this story. That's just one tiny story of how God is showing up. I mean, Quentin and I raised $80,000 this year, uh, to get out here. That's not counting the grant from CEA. Um, because people are just like, yeah, let's get behind it. And so, yeah, God's just, God will show up and you, you will only know that you only can say that if you've experienced it, um, because it doesn't make sense otherwise. So. Well, Sam, if people want to follow you, you know, if they want to find out more about the Portland project, you know, how can they do that? Yeah. Uh, if they, right now we are in the process of kind of getting things to be a little bit more live and, uh, be a little bit more informational for people. We do have a website. It's frntr.life. So if they want to go to that, it's frontier without the vows, frntr.life. Um, you know, they could follow us, follow me on social media if they wanted Instagram. It's just Sam Wake underscore, uh, and I'm on Facebook. So I use Facebook a lot to communicate things that are happening. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the two routes I would tell them to go. There's also an Instagram for, for the, for the group. It's, uh, FRNTR underscore MVMT. So I would, I would jump to those places and, and check it out, but it's all like in beta stage. Like, you know, there's nothing out there that's like superficial, mainly those, 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 uh, those URLs sites I links I just gave are just to keep supporters and partners up to speed on what's happening. Awesome. Well, thanks so, so much for joining us today, Sam. Yeah, appreciate it, dude. So when I listened to Sam talking about just everything that they're doing with the Portland Project and with this church and, and everything, one of the major things that, I, that I'm hearing him say is risk. And, and he was willing to take a risk that most people that I know would, would, would find completely crazy to even think about doing that. 
Um, but but we see a couple things that he's done. He, he thought it out. So this wasn't a rash in the moment. I just made a decision and he went and did it. He actually thought it out. Him and his wife prayed about it. They thought about it. They talked to people who knew more than they did. So they thought it out. And then they, they began to explore what the, what the area that they were going to go into had available. And so they, they did their research. They, 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 so they thought it out. They did their research. And then they acted on it. That's probably the biggest thing is they didn't just sit on the idea. They didn't do the research and then leave and then just leave it alone. They acted on it. So my big takeaway is that they, they thought it out. They researched. They did their homework. And then they took action. Now, on the next episode, we're going to be talking about racial reconciliation, white supremacy, along with a great opportunity for you to participate in next month. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever podcast player you use. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, check out our show notes. So our show notes are pretty freaking awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Caleb actually, Caleb does the show notes, just so everybody knows. Caleb's in charge of that, um, which I'm very thankful for. But in the show notes, you can find quotes from the the, the conversation that we had today with with Sam. You can also find links to anything he mentioned. You can actually go in and, and, and if you would like, participate in donating to the Portland Project. You can also kind of keep track of everything that's going on with it because all in the show notes our website information and details for you to consume there. But here's the other cool thing. Any resources or anything that we talked about in the episode, you can find those there too. And if a book is mentioned, Caleb's favorite thing to do is to link it directly to Amazon so that you can just continue to give them your money because we all know we all should just have a direct deposit from our paycheck to Amazon monthly. If this podcast has helped you in any way, you can show your appreciation by leaving us a rating or writing a review of the podcast. Or if you want to give us more feedback on the podcast, you can do that by writing a review as well. You can also show your appreciation by hitting us up on social media. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at The Learner's Corner. Or follow us at Twitter and let us know some of your key takeaways from the episode. Our handle is at Learner's Podcast. And as always, until next time, keep learning and keep growing. And be cool.